0: Hey there, good looking. My name's Alexander Marcano, and this is Statistically Significant. Now the keen observer might notice that I said this was a weekly podcast, and yet I just released two episodes in the same week. What's up with that? Am I being lied to? No. I can explain. Let me explain. So the title of this podcast is Statistically Significant, and episode one of this podcast is Statistical Significance. So I worried a little bit that perhaps people would get the idea this was a stat podcast. And then given our name on Instagram and Twitter, the stat pod, I became quite concerned that perhaps people would think I'm only going to talk about stats. So for that reason, I decided to actually release this episode early so that people can get a glimpse into, you know, The other things that we'll be talking about, in fact, a majority of our episodes will not have anything to do with statistics. I just like the name and the meaning behind it, as mentioned in episode one. So with that being said, like you, I'd like to introduce you to my good friend, Zachary Neubauer. What's up? Welcome back.
1: Thank you for having me again.
0: No problem. So how was your day? How was your week?
1: My day, my week. Woo, my week. What is today? Today is uh, Friday. It is the good old Friday. Friday. What did I do this week? Well, I did. a l- I worked a little bit. Um. Honestly, this um, this week wasn't very eventful. I, oh, I went to a cool Korean market this morning. Oh yeah, it's actually really cool. Yeah, I was able. I was able to find like certain ingredients that I've always wanted to cook with that I've never been able to find. Like, it was actually really cool. They have really nice produce section really like they have a large variety of everything things i've never seen oh actually i left stuff in the freezer i was supposed to eat
0: oh you Dang. know this is very good theming because our topic today takes place in india oh. or well, well, well in asia yeah, yeah, it takes yeah, yeah. <laughs> place in <laughs> india which over is in that asia. area yeah. yeah so very what a great parallel ah. okay yeah cool. so with that with that being said today we're going to be talking about siddhartha Gautama. And if I mispronounce that, please forgive me. And I'd also like to mention before, before we get into it, that for the first 500 years of the telling of this story, it was all orally. There was no written history. So there are actually a few different versions of this story. Uh, And if I make a mistake, or it sounds a little different from what you've heard, uh, that that might be the case. Uh, Because again, these are all stories that have been handed down for at least the first 500 years through storytelling. Uh, so, with that being said, let's stop or er, let's start by talking about this week's spicy stat. So, according to research published in Ecology, octopuses, yes, octopuses, not octopi. Oh,
1: really? Yes. Oh. Punch okay.
0: fish <laughs> deliberately. Oh. <laughs> Sometimes there's oh. a reason, like they're hunting for fish, but other times. Researchers have not been able to find a discernible excuse for why they are punching fish.
1: <laughs> Did the fish die when they punch them? or kind of like?
0: It's more so like it's just like d- like they're like whoa
1: what? And I'm What's happening? <laughs> it's you know? like, I,
0: if you watch it vi- there's videos of it online. Really? It's, really it's hilarious.
1: That's actually they're just bizarre. like watch! Like, and they just them punch after? them.
0: Sometimes, sometimes it's for hunting. Other times, it's like, why are they doing
1: that? So they're like the big bullies of the ocean.
0: Yeah. Kind of like you. Anyways, so... (laughs) This story begins 2,500 years ago. So that is, for people who don't know, 500 years BC. Whoa. In a fertile valley between India and Nepal, a pregnant queen had a dream. Now, this dream showed a beautiful white elephant that gave her a lotus flower and entered the side of her body. The queen, of course confused, then went to a sage, or sa- sages, to have her dream interpreted. Well, Quick question. What
1: would, What is a sage?
0: Uh, my understanding is that a sage is like a wise, wise person. Okay. I guess someone that would know uh, about like the like spiritual
1: world. Kind of like a librarian in a way.
0: Yeah, but sage is usually like, on the mystical spiritual. Oh, okay. Like oh. a librarian of spirits. Like,
1: okay. <laughs> like a sense. dream interpreter in this case. Librarian for the spiritual knowing. Yeah. Okay.
0: So the sages then interpreted the dream and said that she is destined to give birth to a man who will either be a great ruler or a holy man and would either conquer the world or become an enlightened being. A few months later, a baby boy had been born and seven days later, the mother had died. Oh. So, again, born 500 years before the birth of Jesus Christ, Siddhartha Gautama was the son of a king who was given every possible luxury life could offer. This, this, this child was offered everything. Dang. He was a prince among a clan of warriors. And as a child, he was delicately brought up always provided with a sunshade to protect him from the sun, dust, dew, etc. And his father gave him three lotus plants, one where red grew, one where white grew, and one where blue lotuses bloomed. And his father wants him to become the great ruler of the world. At this time, India was divided into 16 different nations, and oh. it was believed that he would be able to conquer and unite them all if he hmm. remained his king.
1: Hmm, okay.
0: For that reason his father wanted to prevent him from ever realizing that there is anything wrong in the world because it might cause him to take on the path of becoming a holy man rather than a king. Because remember, there's two possibilities. Yeah. So shielded from all pain, Siddhartha was indulged in every pleasure conceivable, every whim, desire fulfilled. The most costly garments, the most expensive foods, and surrounded by beautiful women. During the rainy season, he would stay in his palace where he would be entertained by musicians and dancing girls and never even thought of leaving. Sounds pretty good, right? <laughs> sounds,
1: sounds pretty nice to me. <laughs> sounds, I mean. like,
0: uh, sounds like the life, if you're asking me. Sounds good. So, okay. at 16, his father married him off to his cousin, and it wasn't long before they fell in love. So much so that on their 10th 10-year honeymoon, because they took a 10-year honeymoon... Damn. They were making love on the roof one day and began to roll off. Oh, oh. And when they fell, they landed in a field of lotuses and lilies, and they never even noticed that they had fallen.
1: Sorry, guys. I f- should have given
0: an explicit warning. This stuff is going to get spicy today. No, I'm just kidding. That's oh, oh. I'm no, just kidding. Oh, just shoo. kidding. That's the most, that's the most NSFW the will get. I
1: know. Get. As soon as you said roof
0: yeah yeah. well you know falling off roofs is dangerous that is not safe for work folks that's that's what you're talking spicy right so fast forward and he has indulged in every pleasure imaginable for 29 years until one day he leaves the palace Uh uh-oh so against the king's wishes because the king did not want this siddhartha leaves the palace and has four encounters the first encounter, he sees an old man in the street and he asks his attendant because, again, he's he's not walking out of the village. He's on like a cart that's being carried by his servants, his yeah. attendants. Yeah. So the first encounter, he sees an old man in the street and he asks his attendant, what is that? Because he's never seen anything like it. He's never seen an old man before. <laughs> and his attendant says, that's change. One does not always stay young and perfect. Then on his next encounter, he sees a sick man and does not understand what that is. He's never seen anything like it before. To which his attendant says, that is sickness, and it happens to all men. And don't think that because you are a prince, you will not get sick. And in this moment, something begins to change in him as he realizes that this is a universal truth. It applies everywhere. So he continues onward, and his third encounter, he sees a corpse. And he recognizes impermanence and suffering and death as the real state of things in his world, in the world. So he's now seen the world that his father was hiding from him. And the real state of the world uh, shocked him, which then made him realize that he too ultimately will encounter the same fate. Mm. He's going to become old. He's going to become sick and he will eventually die. And now he's left to figure out how to deal with these things. Finally, his last encounter was with a spiritual seeker, similar to, the, to a monk, uh, someone who has decided to live a life completely different than the way uh, Siddhartha has lived in order to escape impermanence and these other universal truths that he's encountered. So, He's now had this traumatic experience of leaving the palace and realizing that the world is not as luxurious and perfect. <laughs> That's why I stay inside all day. As he was led to believe. And in that moment, he realized that he had already experienced one of life's greatest tragedies because he had lost his mother when he was only seven days old. So, you know, he comes back. That was a lot to think about, right? Yeah. <laughs> sounds uh, sounds like he really went for a loop. Yeah. So, at 29 years old, determined to figure out how to resolve suffering, he decided to leave the palace forever. Now, this meant abandoning his wife and his newly born son. Oh. So, late one summer, summer evening, he walked in his wife's room, and as she was sleeping with the baby in her arms, he watched from the door and realized that if he was to pick up his child one last time, it would be too painful to leave. So he turned away and went to the courtyard to get his horse. And as they galloped away, the horse leapt high into the sky where Siddhartha was confronted by Mara, the god of desire. Now Mara was waiting and told him that he was destined to rule a great empire and to go back so that worldly power can be his. Siddhartha refused and continued to leave the palace, his father, his wife, and his child. Now alone for the first time in the world he drew his sword and cut his hair and became homeless. He was wounded by the enjoyment of the world and wanted to obtain peace. Siddhartha wander, wandered south towards the Ganges river and became a beggar, living off charity, uh, the charity of others.
1: We Good so far? Yeah, no, no I'm not really. In. Yeah, no, no, I've been quiet. I'm really listening. It's all actually right. really interesting. I, I hope so. This no. is one of my favorite stories. No, it's actually a really good story. I've never heard it before.
0: So, at this time, Siddhartha was not the only one who had abandoned all of his worldly possessions in the search for spiritual enlightenment. Uh, at this time, in fact, this time in India, there was a lot. So, society was industrializing, and by industrializing, I'm talking about you know 500 bc like i'm just talking about their cities starting to be yeah. made like so civilization is beginning to organize mm-hmm. and so now there's this kind of feeling of where spirituality you know like there's a there's a big group of people who are feeling lost like they they need to find something right yeah um so he had joined a group of men and there were some women known as the renunciants. And they renounced the world and embraced poverty and celibacy. And they are actually a group that still exists in India today. Now, Siddhartha had realized that suffering is not something that starts at birth and ends at death. Rather, it is something that was endless, and until he found a way out and becomes enlightened, he would not be satisfied. This, of course, alludes to the idea of reincarnation, and many believe uh, that Siddhartha had, many li- had lived many lives before this one, as as we all have, as many animals and innumerable human beings and even gods across the vast infinity of time. So I don't know if you're—are you familiar with this idea?
1: Reincarnation? Yeah, yeah.
0: The, the belief of, like, you know, yeah. when you die, you're reincarnated, and you could be a
1: dog, you could be another yeah. human, in this case— maybe even a god yeah and i guess it And the cycle continues i don't know if it's like the say if there's different types of beliefs in reincarnation but yeah there there's, one? there's a few okay i didn't know yeah, because i know there's some that's like you will be reincarnated reincarnated as something better or worse depending on the yeah. karma you've collected that's karma. yeah
0: karma yeah. is the idea that if you're really good in this life your next life will be better yeah or if you're really bad your next
1: life will be worse yeah yeah, I know about that, but I didn't know there was—I didn't know if there was different variations so on that. yeah,
0: there's a little different bit of variations, and I'm not—you huh, okay. know—we yeah. won't spend too much time on yeah, it. Yeah, but yeah. I just want to make sure that you, because that's—that's a key part of this story. So yeah. his—he feels that he acknowledges that because reincarnation is infinite, right? You mm-hmm. never technically die; you're always reincarnated. Yeah. Suffering never ends. Suffering mm, is forever. Okay. Yeah. Because the cycle never ends. Yeah. Okay. So now back to the renunciants. Siddhartha had found a celebrated guru who taught that true knowledge could not come from rituals, but from within. So the guru said he, that Siddhartha could stay with him, and he, so Siddhartha dedicated to learning the rigorous practices the guru prescribed. Now, this guru focused a lot on yoga and meditation and held the belief that through meditation, you could achieve many different states. If you focused the mind on a single object, it's possible
1: to transport the mind into all sorts of interesting places,
0: and Siddhartha was extremely gifted at the practice of yoga and meditation.
1: What um, what else is that related to? Astro, astral project, astro projecting, or is I'm that not. something different? Mm. Okay, I'm well, assuming it's different now because you don't. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure, but I know that,
0: like, this was a kind of like a a a train of a a branch of belief, so. What I do know is that this guru, you know, he focused on yo- yoga and meditation and like his his whole thing was like the way to solve his problem of infinite suffering is through yoga and meditation, but that's just one branch and you'll see yeah. like where the other like there's some other beliefs that he tries later on. Okay. So um he, he again believed that through meditation you could transport the mind and solve this problem. And Siddhartha was extremely gifted at the practice of yoga and meditation, and he took these practices to the limit. He was very good at it. But he still found himself with the pains that he sought to solve. Uh, He would achieve this very rare mental state, but the problem is that these were temporary, and they don't solve the problems of reality, the world that's in front of him, the one you have to live through. Mm -hmm. So he then apprenticed himself to a different guru, with the same ideologies, but the results were the same. Until he finally came to the conclusion that this does not lead to direct knowledge or deeper awareness and decided to leave the group entirely. Mm. So after indulging in great luxuries at the beginning for most of his life at this point, his next idea was to join a group of extreme deprivation within the group of, so within the group of renunciants, there was a group of asceticism, or the aesthetics, the aesthetics, not not like aesthetic where it looks cool. These oh. are the aesthetics.
1: <laughs> yeah. What what would that be? Like what would that mean? So the,
0: this group believed that the only way to achieve serenity and enlightenment was subjecting the body to extreme hardships and pain. The body was a fundamental problem. It brings old age, sickness, and death. So the belief was that if you punish your, the body enough. You could essentially escape its influence and transcend its limitations. The ascetic took only the m- absolute minimum possible to stay alive. That no. means almost no food, no protection from the colder heat, meditate for all hours of being awake. Oh. And this group can also still be seen in India today. So it's small. Really? It's small, but it's they, wild and still exists. Yeah. So Siddhartha had punished himself for six years torturing himself trying to destroy anything within himself that he sees as bad eliminating everything that is human he ate one grain of rice a day drank Ooh. his own urine always stood on one leg so all of his weight was always on only one leg slept on a bed of, and slept on a bed of nails he became so skinny that his joints became like the notches in vines or bamboo stems his spine appeared like a string of beads. But after six years, he has still not found an answer to his problem. It didn't work, and he was on the verge of death when he remembered something. He remembered a day when he was a young boy with his father, and he was taken to a spring planting festival. While he watched the ceremonial dancing, he looked at the grass and thought about the insects and their eggs, and how they're destroyed Every time the field was planted, he became very sad because he felt great compassion for those insects. Mm. He then spent the rest of the day meditating under a tree and found joy in the world around us. It's already broken, but it's part of this transitory world that we're all a part of. And the fabric of this world, despite all of its tragedies, is actually in that joy. It was because of this memory that Siddhartha realized he can't sustain a feeling of joy if he does not take any food, so he should eat something. And it was in that very moment that a local village maiden appears with a bowl of rice porridge and says, Here, eat. He also acknowledged that it is not possible to live without compassion and generosity. He decided that he had failed, He had spent all this time following asceticism, but he still hasn't answered his question. Life is painful, life is full of change, and it's still a problem. He had then left the ascetics to continue his quest. After eating the rice porridge, Siddhartha had taken a shower and changed his clothes and sat under a fig tree known as the Bodhi tree. He began to meditate, and he said that he will not move from his place until he has solved his problem. It was in this moment that Mara, the God of Desire, chose to challenge him. With an army of demons he attacked, but Siddhartha did not move, and their weapons turned to flowers. Mara then sent his three daughters to seduce him, but Siddhartha remained still. When he finally faces Mara, he realizes that he's really facing himself and his own destructive capacity. But instead of becoming a warrior and attempting to fight himself, he becomes calm, composed, and completely undisturbed. Not in a trance state, he's fully aware of the world around him, but chooses not to react, which frustrates Mara. He successfully resisted each temptation that Mara had designed. But he had one final test. He demanded, Mara demanded to know who testify that he was worthy of obtaining enlightenment. Siddhartha said nothing. Rather, he reached down and touched the ground, and the earth shuddered. He says that the earth is my witness, Mara. You are not the earth. The earth is right here beneath my finger. And the earth is what we're talking about. Accepting the earth. Not owning the earth. Not possessing the earth. But the earth just as it is. Abused. Exploited. Despised. And rejected. Plowed. And mined but we owe everything to the earth. Mara had lost. Siddhartha continued to meditate through the night, and all of his former lives passed before him. As the morning star appeared, he roared like a lion. His mind was now at peace. The heavens shook and the Bodhi tree rained flowers. He had become the awakened one. He had become the Buddha. He had not found a new state, but rather surrendered to a state that always existed. He realized that he has always been in nirvana. He had always been enlightened. Reality is nirvana. It's the unreality and ignorance that blinds you to what is right in front of you and makes you think that you are some self-centered being separate from the rest of the world trying to fight off the universe. For weeks, the Buddha had remained under that tree and pondered the possibility of spending the rest of his life under that tree. But eventually he decided that he must go and share his teachings. He would dedicate the rest of his life to teaching the world. And that is the story of the Buddha.
1: Huh. It was actually really interesting. Like yeah. I was actually so I was so quiet because I was actually really li- really listening. Yeah, and there's there's a
0: a lot more that story i mean of course that's that's how he became the buddha which really just means the enlightened one so
1: is is this buddha is buddha a word in
0: i'm not sure if it's a word but it if you are the like i can be the buddha you can be the buddha we're all capable of being the buddha it simply means that you are an enlightened one and if you are enlightened then that means you are free of that cycle of reincarnation oh which means you are no longer a part of the end the infinite suffering
1: oh okay and then if you happen to know if you are free from that cycle if you were to pass you wouldn't continue on in a new life right because
0: so the buddha fast forward a ton yeah um when he dies he he does not get reincarnated because he has become enlightened Hmm. so it is the end and that is kind of the goal in all of this because again remember suffering is impossible to avoid and it's infinite because we're constantly reincarnated yeah and 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 there's other things to enlightenment like i'm not i i think that maybe another point i'll make an episode that's actually about buddhism because there's a lot of different values that i'm not giving enough attention to through this story like this is just the story of the buddha yeah um but Buddhism actually addresses kind of like how to become enlightened, what are the values, stuff like that.
1: Hmm. I never actually knew much about Buddhism. Mm -hmm. I just knew it was, is it considered a religion? Yeah, yeah, it's a religion.
0: And and like Christianity, there's a lot of different branches. Mm. So there's different types of Buddhism. Some believe that Buddha became a god. Mm. and So they still worship Buddha to this day as if he is a god um others believe that he was a teacher a prophet and when he died he died you know yeah. that there, there wasn't anything else but
1: huh. very um, interesting
0: yeah i like the story a lot yeah i think that i mean i come from a christian a catholic background background yeah so i don't i wasn't exposed to any of this yeah up no. until maybe a year or two ago um but i loved i loved learning it i think it's a really um nice religion
1: yeah it's it seems like i i mean with most religions it has like a good moral idea to it yeah like it um it's hmm it's a really interesting story actually it's it's a lot to like try to dissect
0: yeah i i like that it's focused a lot on the earth and yeah. if if again i i haven't really gone over the values but it it also talks a lot about balance um so there's a there's kind of this idea that there's no knowledge one without suffering or there's no knowledge one without sacrifice Mm. so it's kind of that balance of like you know if you want knowledge you have to sacrifice yeah there's nothing is given everything is earned yeah yeah and and there's there's also a pretty strong idea in buddhism where if you disagree or you don't understand something you should question it in fact you need to it's it's a requirement because it's possible that people are wrong. Mm-hmm. And if we're not questioning things, if we're not challenging things, we'll never get close. We'll never get better.
1: Never find the real answer. Kind of like, you know, like I guess never find the real answer. Never find the true meaning Yeah, in a way.
0: Yeah. And, and so the second half of this story really, well, the, the part of the story that I haven't told, uh, after this experience, he ends up finding a, uh, like a monk, not a monk, but like someone who's seeking spiritual a guru he's looking for a guru, yeah, and he asked the uh Buddha like, Hey, what have you been up to?" and the Buddha tells him, and the guy's like, mm, okay, sure, whatever you say yeah. <laughs> and right. uh so the first time he tried to convert someone, he had actually failed hmm. um, yeah, and so he spent the rest of his life dedicated to teaching people, and he had very stringent rules for example they weren't allowed to keep money hmm. so they lived off they had to beg like you couldn't get paid you you had to beg you had to offer and you had to offer a service so if if you wanted food and you were spreading this wisdom you would have to say may i please you know teach you about the ways of, of enlightenment yeah, and then you had to, you know, and then if they offered you dinner, then you could take it. But you weren't, a, you weren't meant to get, acquire wealth. You were meant to stay poor because then you rely rely on compassion and empathy, and that is a big part of this religion.
1: Mm. Is is that something that's still practiced nowadays? If you happen I, to know,
0: I don't think I don't think it's still followed to the point of. You're not allowed to have anything. Yeah, like you, you're you're you have to be a beggar. Yeah, but. The focus on compassion is still very strong. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, Another one of their sayings is that in order to gain anything, you must first lose everything.
1: Because I guess it gives you... It makes you realize you were taking everything for granted, in a way. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I also think it's pretty... People don't realize this about Christianity because this is also the case with Christianity, but the first books, written works... Weren't written for 500 years after
1: this took place. It was all very vocal. Yeah, yeah so like a
0: lot of these are oral traditions. And, you know, these stories, a couple of the things I said in the story obviously shouldn't be taken literally. I mean, yeah. the God of Desire, you know, that's kind of hard to imagine. I think, you yeah. know, there's things about these stories that people need uh, that I think it's important to, like, realize Take yeah, their stories. Yeah. Like, these have been told.
1: Take as interpretation of. Yeah what ha- yeah like
0: yeah and what's important is the message because like i said at the beginning there's a lot of different versions of this yeah and they're all kind of correct because well you know this has been going on for yeah <laughs> for yeah, quite a y- while you
1: can't really say like this didn't happen yeah this did happen this didn't like it's yeah yeah
0: so that is that is our story for today huh. thank I you for joining
1: yeah, i really enjoyed that one
0: yeah my pleasure all right for all of you listening. If you loved us, please let us know. If you didn't, please don't let us know. (laughs) All right. Have a good week.